0: Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello. you want to watch Hello. My name is Justin Leclerc. I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go chronologically through all of the... We don't go chronologically. Well, <laughs> technically we do. We could. I don't know. Do you want to switch it up
1: and do that from now on?
0: No, <laughs> we go through all the new Blu-rays and DVDs that are released each week or that arrive at Bay Street Video. Not
1: really strictly by release date here anymore. It's just what shows up on our front door. Yeah,
0: it's whatever's at Bay Street Video. I mean, people listening... You probably buy so many Blu-rays anyway, so it's just nice to learn about some new ones. That 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 is our motto. Exactly,
1: here. exactly. You know, eventually we get to around to covering everything new coming out, even if it takes a while to get to our to our shelves.
0: So first off, in the cult section, we have Ghost Ship because yeah. I guess Shout Factory is really <laughs> scraping that bottom of the uh, Dark Castle barrel.
1: Yeah, well, I feel like we kind of did a whole Dark Castle uh, talk. When 13 Ghosts came out, but I was pointed towards one Dark Castle title that we forgot to to mention by one of our avid listeners, Eric Marchin. We forgot to talk about Fear.com, which was one of the best Dark Castle movies. <laughs> no, not no. at all.
0: <laughs> I was
1: going to say best, and I'm like, that was one of the worst. I would
0: screen Fear.com at a uh, at-home festival thing that I did with some friends, and William Malone sent a message about it. Then we watched the movie, and we were like, oh, boy, this is bad. No
1: way. Oh, it's terrible. I remember being so excited for Fear.com coming out. Finally, oh, Stephen Dorff
0: on the big screen. I know.
1: I was, like, so into it, but it was, like, restricted in theaters, and I wasn't old enough to see it. So, I like, when it came out on DVD, it was, like, I was ready to rent it first day. And even as, like, a... 13 14 year old i still knew this movie is garbage i mean
0: william malone did direct the best dark castle film that's not house of wax or uh is it called wax what is it called the the paris hilton one Yeah, yeah.
1: that's house of wax but yes he did house on haunted hill which house was on haunted hill which, which is was really great good.
0: except for like the last 10 minutes <laughs> where
1: suddenly like I, I watched it maybe like a year or so ago again and it didn't quite hold up as much as i thought it was going to be but it still you know got its fun moments that opening is just killer from it but uh Back to Ghost Ship, this movie's kind of lame, though. I don't know. I never. It has a good it's opening. Good. That's, that's what everybody, everybody remembers, remembers about it. it.
0: And that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: went to see this opening night because I was such a huge fan of 13 Ghosts. And it's the same director as 13 Ghosts, Mr. Steve Beck. And yeah, I thought the opening was great. Can't really remember anything else about the
0: movie, though. Well, now you're going to have to pick up the special edition because I'm sure it's loaded with special features. You know
1: what it is? And it's been flying off the shelf i think screen it Factory has screen factory can just put out any movie with a slip cover call it a collector's edition and it will sell like no one likes ghost Ship. yeah well we've sold as many ghost ship as we have 13 ghosts and house on haunted hill so unless unless they're just buying these just to have the whole dark castle screen <laughs> collection
0: maybe they like it maybe they just like uh gabriel Byrne. <laughs> complete Gabriel burn
1: yeah uh, yeah, terrible movie. I mean, terrible speaking of terrible films.
0: movies, there's also the um, excrements that are Jaws two, three, and four that are being released as the Jaws yeah. three movie I love collection. How they're calling it
1: the Jaws three movie collection as if somebody will get confused. Maybe they think Jaws is on there. Jaw, the first Jaws is not on this set. People, it's that just... is exactly what they're hoping people <laughs> will do. It is just two to four. I have to admit, I've actually never seen four, which I know is like the, Jaws the Revenge, the worst of the worst, best
0: of the. Sequels? Why did they not include the first Jaws on this set? I don't Universal do not don't they own they, the rights?
1: They do. And I mean, maybe because they just put out that Ultra HD of Jaws. Maybe and Steven like,
0: Spielberg is like, nope, you don't get to include the movie with these ones. Maybe
1: that's what it is. I mean, they did put out individual Blu rays of the sequels, like a few years back. So if you've already bought those, don't buy this. This doesn't have anything else on it. It's just those three packaged together for a much cheaper price.
0: And we got the new Severin titles. And by new Severin titles, I mean the ones that came out a few months ago.
1: Yeah, these are the August Severin titles. Sorry, we still don't have Cruel Jaws. It would have been nice to talk about Cruel Jaws right after the Jaws How many people came in (laughs) asking for Cruel Jaws? Not as many as I would think. We got a few people coming in asking for the other one. Massacre in Dinosaur Valley, I think. Oh, that That one's so bad,
0: guys! You'll enjoy Cruel Jaws. You will not enjoy Massacre... I would love to know how they got away with Cruel Jaws, only because that film is filled with footage from other movies. Including Jaws, too, I think. I,
1: I can't wait to watch that. I've always wanted
0: so to see So we don't have it. that one, but we have The Beast Must Die, which is a uh, pretty fun movie about, like, who is the werewolf going around? The gimmick is like, near the end of the movie, the film stops, and it's like, can you guess who the werewolf is? <laughs> Take a moment, see if you can figure it out. Great. And it stars uh, Black himself tom newcliffe as the guy that's like in charge of wherever all the people came and we we're trying to guess which one of them is the werewolf oh cool cool and then we got fulci for you fulci suckers
1: lots of fulci here i mean we'll not
0: talk about it because i know that mark doesn't like it and these are real late period fulci yeah i haven't seen these two I we have <laughs> enigma his version of Suspiria. If it were boring. And we also have Demania, his nunsploitation movie, and Fulci for Fake, a new, like, experimental documentary about Fulci. No, thank you. Yeah, what's the the deal with that? It's like a docudrama. Like, it does have
1: acted parts in it. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I mean, int- I'm almost more intrigued in watching that than an en- Enigma or Demonia. Well, I picked
0: up Demonia because it has a commentary by Stephen Thrower, the guy who wrote the book on Fulci, who's never done a commentary on any Fulci movie, to my memory. He probably has at some point, but not recently. He doesn't really do commentaries, which is novel, especially for Demonia. A film I feel like he probably doesn't like very much because nobody likes this movie, so... <laughs> And we also have Revenge of the Living Dead Girls. This is a French film that when I see the title, I'm like, is this a Jean Roulay movie like Grapes of Death? No, but it has a very similar plot. It feels like it, yeah. A company not wanting to pay their chemicals to be dumped properly puts some into a truck of milk, which eventually kills three girls. The girls then return from the dead to seek bloody revenge. Yeah, I've never seen this movie.
1: It's apparently a notorious French shocker that's been cut to various different forms over the years <laughs> that's what they shocker. call it on the back I'm like oh okay i've never heard of this notorious french shocker
0: uh on the back of enigma they say fan favorite i i don't think so that is blatant lies <laughs> the enigma is no I see one's you, favorite Severin, i see you we also have shining sex one of the many Jess Franco films that were released by Severn, but I guess you only got this one because they wanted limited editions, right? Yeah, I don't know. This was editions, part of their right?
1: August slate for us, so I guess anything else just hasn't been made widely available yet. But, uh, yeah, I think this...
0: there were like limited editions that they did. This is an interesting one because it has never been released properly before, and it's finally hitting blu-ray for the first time. I think I don't even think it was put out on dvd either. Not that I know of. Yeah, I think this is the first and time. And it's it. packed with special features. That's probably why they made it their regular one. There's an interview with Christopher Gunn. There's an interview who worked on post-production on Fulci films. So it was like a full package. We also have I mean speaking of Fulci, Conquest, the his barbarian yeah, film. Yeah.
1: Uh, I again, I don't I, I have not seen this one.
0: <laughs> You're asking me about you Fulci, right?
1: You know, I've only seen like 5 Five Fulci. You've yeah, already closed the book Fulci on Fulci. and I was like, "I'm done with you." Have you sir. seen you.
0: Um, his Slash Dance one? Because uh, you probably like that one. What is I've called? just
1: seen I've seen zombie the beyond house by the cemetery city of the living dead and I know there's one more but I'm blanking on what it is
0: oh why can't I think of it I bought it from your store it's like nightmare rock or something like that they're all oh, uh yeah yeah uh murder rock murder rock there you go that would, no I, think you'd I haven't like seen it. that it's like packed with like 80s dance numbers
1: and stuff like that okay okay I gotta give him another check you know it's just like with him, I never really liked his movies. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to give him one more chance. And then I'd watch something and I just wouldn't like it. So I would just. But you know what? I'm going to give him another chance. <laughs> I mean, you
0: probably watched them when you were a teenager. So now you can uh, appreciate them with yeah, a wider can mind. can
1: appreciate their art. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so we also have uh, Fulci's a great director. Very underrated as far as direction goes. I think I
1: appreciate him more than I just enjoy his films is what it is.
0: Again, this is the Marcus is wrong corner. So yeah, let's move on. That's fine. That's fine. Conquest, uh, kind of underrated, but I really like it. It's like a gory, hallucinatory, kind of like anything goes Conan the Barbarian ripoff where there's no swords, but like one person uses nunchucks at one point <laughs> against people like bone nunchucks. So that's fun. And it's got like zombies and like naked women who have like skull faces when they turn, take their masks off. Okay. And everything is covered in fog. Great. Uh, Great. Scorpion's also putting out Trick Baby. I'm unfamiliar with this film, but I looked into it. The director, Larry Yus directed Home Bodies, the film where senior citizens start killing like developers are trying to kick them out of their building. I like that right.
1: movie. I didn't realize it was the same
0: guy. Uh, so, yeah, this one sounds like fun. Two Philadelphia con try to avoid gangsters as they uh, they have con and cops who are trying to put them in jail.
1: Yeah, I think it was like an earlier kind of black exploitation type film, but that just never really got as much attention as some of the later stuff that came out.
0: Uh, Dark Forces got a bunch of releases this week. We got Chinese Hercules, Bruce's Ninja Secret, a double bill. And I own this and it is new transfers from film elements. So that's awesome. Uh, I mean, they're not very good films, but I'm all for any bottom-of-the-barrel martial arts picture as long as it gets a new scan. Or special features. That doesn't get me. We also have Death Rage, which is a... um Eurocrime film starring Yul Brynner, directed by my man Antonio Margarete, who also directed And God set to case. Right,
1: right. Yeah, no, people people love their Yule Brynner around here, so this one's been surprisingly popular.
0: We also have The Banker, which uh, high-priced prostitutes are being systematically murdered, their corpse is mutilated, and a bizarre South American symbol painted in blood. Ooh, this sounds problematic. But it stars Robert Forster. And who doesn't love Robert Forster?
1: Yeah, I love Robert Forster. Not sure if people really know much about this film. It's kind of been sitting on the shelf collecting dust since it came out. So all you Robert Forster fans, come on in. Check this uh, out.
0: We also have Genesis 2 Planet Earth released by Warner Archives. Now, what is this, Mark, before I pick the wrong movie?
1: So these are a couple of 70s
0: TV movies
1: that okay, Warner Okay, so they are. Is. Yeah, is that the what you were I thinking I saw Genesis
0: of? 2 is directed by the guy who did City of Death and Night Stalker.
1: Yeah, so they were a couple of sci-fi TV movies movies that i believe gene roddenberry wrote both of these actually yeah so i guess it would have been post star trek like the original star trek um and i gotta think pay the were, bills yeah i think they were both set up to be potential series but i don't think either of them ever actually got there <laughs> uh i've actually seen planet earth which is stars um which stars John Saxon, who, you know, everybody loves. And he plays a guy who awakens from suspended animation in the 22nd century. And now women rule the world and men are slaves. So it's... Oh,
0: wait. Is this the one where, like, the men wear diapers? Yeah.
1: So the men are called... Dink, the men are actually called Dinks in this movie, too. <laughs>
0: Because I remember, I don't know where I saw it, but I remember posting a photo of like John Saxon like punching one of the diaper men. That's exactly
1: what this movie is. Yeah. So I saw this years ago. I remember. uh, I think they're
0: yellow, aren't they? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this movie is kind of tries to like take on the whole women's lib thing in the 70s, but you know. In a very, like, 70s way, especially for, you know, it's written by a guy. So, I mean, written and directed by a guy. So, like, how feminine. I feel like they think they're being kind of, like, progressive and really exploring, like, what the women's lib movement could mean for humanity or something. But it just comes off really tone deaf. I mean, it is kind of funny because based on, like, what you just said about the guys in diapers, John Saxon is clearly, like, just cashing a paycheck, having a time here. I don't know. I had some fun with it. Uh, I haven't seen Genesis Two, but I I hope it's the same level of cheese that this is. But they are very much like low budget '70s TV movies. But uh, I don't know. There's definitely a fan base for this. We sold out like pretty fast, and now we're on we're on our second batch of them. So. People just love that 70s uh, sci-fi TV stuff, especially if it's connected with so uh, Star Trek. So you got a anyway. whole bunch
0: of Vinegar Syndrome releases as well. Um, lots of cult titles are flowing in at Bay Street Video. Oh, yeah. It's a big cult week here. And this is their September batch, I believe. <laughs> well, no, because they delay Well, that's it.
1: the thing. They make them available on their site, and then they're available here like a month later without slipcovers yeah, or anything. Slip <laughs> yeah, Yeah, which people are always real happy about. Uh,
0: so we have pandanom- uh we have Pandemonium, a incredibly unfunny <laughs> Zazz-style <laughs> comedy directed by Alfred Soule, the guy who did the amazing Alice, Sweet Alice. Oh, yeah. Great movie. <laughs> a great movie. This is not, though. Even though it stars Carol Kane, Tom Smothers, and Judge Reinhold in a slasher movie parody. Yeah. What a cast. <laughs> if you thought Wacko was bad, well, welcome to <laughs> Pandemonium.
1: Right. That must be why nobody's touching this one. ha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are people picking up the other one, though? The
1: Caller? The Caller's doing better, yeah. I've, and I haven't seen this, but I've heard pretty good things about this. One of my coworkers said this was a pretty good, like, underrated joke. Oh,
0: yeah. It's so weird, considering that's an Empire picture, which is the company that Charles Band uh, ran. So it's essentially a film with only two actors in it, Malcolm McDowell and Madeline Smith Osborne. And they're in a house in the woods, and Malcolm McDowell shows up, and they have almost, like, David Mamet style like what are they talking about? Dialogue that it's like weird, you don't really know what's going on, like maybe somebody got murdered or something else and then like it kind of plays like that until the end when you go oh okay this is why this is a Charles Band film (laughs) when you see what like the final twist is. But yeah it's really good it's one that's been really kind of forgotten but I guess um Vinegar Syndrome got a bunch of the Charles Band titles because they also did Spellcaster in October, and I think they have more on the docket.
1: Which I think is one of their VSA releases, so we should be getting that in here with like the hard. So box people and won't
0: everything. complain. Uh, they're also putting Indecent Exposure, which is a porn film directed by my man Gary Graver. Uh, his films are never treated with any respect, so it was a new remaster transfer. No special features, though. If only someone had offered their services to do a commentary on ah, it. Ah, <laughs>
1: jeez. Who who would be willing? Who, who, who's Yeah, it's us? not like
0: uh, anyone's done an episode on him, interviewed his sons or anything. Anyway, moving on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, vinegar syndrome. Uh, I mean, Come it's great now. that they're putting out,
0: and they didn't treat it like the other porn titles. They made it a Blu-ray, and they made it a slipcase, but it's weird that there's no special features. I wonder if maybe the company that owned it kind of said, like, we can't, you can't do it. That's my only explanation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it is rare for Vinegar Syndrome, because it seems like they get a bunch of stuff for even, like, the most obscure porn title they put in. Usually
0: they get, like, Cat Ellinger or someone like that to do the porn stuff, so who knows? And you also received, technically not a Vinegar Syndrome release, an AGFA release. Sometimes Aunt Martha does dreadful things, which they had originally put out on DVD years ago, but now it's coming to Blu-ray. And it has new special features. They weirdly really did not port over the commentary that was on the DVD with David Dakota.
1: Weird. I thought they would have just automatically nope, done. No, they have that. a new
0: commentary with uh, I think Zach Carlson, maybe somebody else on it. I was looking, and there's like a, maybe an interview as Bleedings.
1: well. I think it's another Bleeding Skull co-production. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, and that and this one is kind of like. Uh, It's discussed mostly about it's like gay overtones because it's like a man pretending to be a woman and committing murders and stuff like that. And you also have another sub label that Vinegar Syndrome is distributing, the Kino's of cult film, (laughs) Vinegar Syndrome. This is a uh, Fun City Editions release of a- Amos Poe's Alphabet City. Did you watch this? It seems up your alley. I did watch this, yeah. And I guess fun, this
1: is the first Fun City release? Like, this is a new label. There's another I one know... coming out
0: in October, which does not seem city-related, so yeah. who knows what this label is? I think that's, <laughs> I
1: Start Counting, right? It's coming out next? Yeah. Uh, I did watch this one. Uh, I'd always wanted to see it. It always seemed up my alley, and I've always been fascinated in Amos Poe, even though I hadn't really seen any of his movies before, but just as a figure, he was a... Uh, Really important part of the New York no-wave movement in the late 70s, early 80s. He co-directed the uh, really huge underground uh, punk documentary Blank Generation in the mid-70s. And this was, I guess, maybe his, like slickest film I was reading about him and apparently he was supposed to direct this big budget film with Burt Lancaster in the early 80s that like totally fell apart and I guess this was maybe like the next kind of thing he could get with a budget but even though it is slick and everything, it still had that kind of, like, gritty, no-wave feel that his, like, actual, like, no-budget movies have. Um, kind I Kind of plotless. This one. Yeah. A little no, bit aimless. <laughs> it's definitely aimless. I mean, all it is is, like, a, like, small-time hood played by uh, Vincent Spano is um, – basically wants to get out of the life, and it's just kind of a day in the life of him trying to, like, wrap up his affairs and, like, get him and his girlfriend out of the city – uh, while, you know, mobsters are kind of on his tail, kind of stuff you've seen before. But the way he does it, I don't know. You just like really get immersed in that like early 80s, New York, grungy life nightlife. Um, I thought the music was great. I thought the style was great. Um, yeah. Kind of plotless. So I wouldn't you know, it's not like heavy on the action or the plot, but for like it's a, not like after hours or yeah, anything it's like, not that. Like, like that, like there's. But you know, it's I don't necessarily need that level of like manicness, so I kind of liked the vibe of this one. What did you think? You you
0: watched this? Oh, I liked it a lot, especially knowing that it wasn't after hours. Because if you read the back, it sounds like that, and even like the cover art they have, it's like, oh, it's gonna be an action thrill ride, and it's not. Unless you like the last five minutes, pretty much.
1: Yeah. And I feel like maybe they sold it kind of as an action movie when it first came out. And that's why it probably didn't do very well. I'm not really sure what the box office receipts were like on this one, but it's kind of faded from obscurity. I mean, we've had a rental copy of this for years because I think MGM put it out, but nobody's rented it for years. Um, And honestly, even the Blu-ray, I don't think we've sold a single copy of this so far. So like, come on, people get on out here, like expose yourself to some, you know, Amos Poe. Oh, he's really cool
0: i mean we also have more amos poe films but i don't know if you should buy these ones Rent yeah them. <laughs>
1: there there is a story behind this so the next three so i don't know if this was done because alphabet city was coming out but mvd guaranteed is, yeah probably because mvd is putting out dvds of amos poe's uh earlier three no budget films um unmade beds which is kind of like his remake of breathless uh the foreigner which is kind of a um, story about a Uh, secret agent who comes to New York and just kind of mills about. And then Subway Riders, which stars a young uh, Robbie Coltrane as uh, like a serial killer, like a saxophone playing serial killer who lures people to their death. Anyways, um, these have been – they were out on DVD once before but have been long out of print and they are like staples of basically like the 80s no wave sequence uh, or – series of films movement yeah um jim jarmusch always credits the foreigner as being kind of the film that got him like into wanting to make movies and everything uh but the problem with these releases is amos poe actually lost the rights to all of these films which really sucks because they were made completely on his own from his own money like they were his own creations And the problem is he – so he co-directed Blank Generation, the film I was talking about earlier with Ivan Krall, who was the musician who basically helped him get access. He played with Patti Smith back in the 70s and had a pretty lucrative career as a musician. They co-directed Blank Generation. And over their years, their friendship was kind of tumultuous. And then in the 90s, apparently, they really fell out over the profits made over it and Ivan Krall – claimed that Amos Poe didn't pay him money from Blank Generation, and Amos Poe is kind of like, he's kind of like a punk guy, so he was just like, fuck it, like, fuck you, he didn't really show up to court dates or anything. So he does kind of admit that it was sort of his own fault, because the courts basically ruled in Ivan Kral's favor at the end of the day, and said, you owe him, like, all this money, like, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, which Amos Poe couldn't pay because he was broke at the time. So... Because he didn't show up for court dates and couldn't pay, they basically made him sell off all of the rights to his early films to Ivan Kral, who is now dead, actually, so his wife uh, owns them under their estate. And refuses to give them back to Amos Poe. And apparently, Blank Generation they've re-edited to to take Amos Poe's name off of it, so he's not even credited as a director on it anymore. He's only credited as a co-editor, and Ivan Kral is like the main director of it. Which um, lots of people, like Debbie Harry, was a big was a friend of Amos Poe, and she thinks it's ridiculous because he did a lot of the work on that film. But it really, regardless of Blank Generation, which definitely was like. A collaboration between the two these three films were all amos poe and the fact that he's not making any money off it like all the money for these is going to the crawl estate really kind of sucks on the one hand it's great to have these out because these films are like really important for film history i i watched the foreigner out of these and it is really cool you can definitely see how it would influence somebody like jim jarmusch i mean they are really rough so you got to be like prepared for what you're getting into the sounds rough the images are rough but that's kind of the vibe you're looking for for these kind of films um but yeah there there's no extras on these they're just dvds but it just sucks that a guy like who poured all his money into making these really diy like DIY movies that were really important at a moment in time that he doesn't get anything out of them anymore and all the money's going to an estate that really had nothing to do
0: with these movies. Well, Mark, maybe you should have paid the other guy then. <laughs> I know. I know.
1: I want to call up the crawl estate. But even so, the the reason I found out all of this is because the New, uh, New York Times did a really good piece on Amos Poe, I think, earlier this year about this whole situation. They were talking about the blank generation because it was starting to screen again but without... In the new cut without Amos Poe's uh, credit on it. Yeah. That is so like weirdly bitter. It's like, it's been so long. Yeah. And to go back and credit. And one one person they interviewed were like, it's not like they're it was like some multi-million dollar property. It was just like some underground cult film, you know? It's like some underground punk rock movie. Like, what are they even like fighting about? So they did a really good piece on this. So that's, if you want to read more about it, just type in Amos Poe, New York Times, and it's probably one of the first things that'll come up. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend checking these films out, whether you want to buy them or not. I mean, it's nice to have them out there, but yeah, it's just it's a shame that where the money. It's a shame he's just not profitable. So at moving all on to
0: these. the classics, we have the Elephant Man on Criterion. Yeah, I love the Elephant Man. Yeah, it's so much fun, such a, such a it's laugh so much, riot. It's so
1: sad, you know. Like we put it on in the store just to look at the transfer, uh, which is beautiful, by the way. They really have like. Upgraded this trait I mean, it's never been on Blu-ray in North America or anything, so this is like a great upgrade. But man, this movie is sad. It always gets me.
0: Yeah, at the end, when he's like masturbating, he's like, "Oh," and he dies. <laughs> oh wait, I may be thinking of the porn version. This is not the yes, Elephant Man. A triple X
1: parody. Well, they they've included that as a special feature. So the wizards Hello? of the Wizards of Criterion are doing the Lord's Sorry, work Sorry, I was here.
0: talking, I was like, can I think of a punny title? <laughs> like, yeah. The Ella Penis Man. No, that's not good enough. <laughs> that's good. I like that.
1: Nah, um, nah.
0: It's got to be like Edward's penis hands Edward's or something like that. Edward's penis oh, yeah. the elephant penis. That's not close enough, though. Uh, that's
1: just too that's too generic, you know? It doesn't have the pop to it. Well, you
0: can see the porn version where the guy's like, I have a monstrous penis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, oh yeah. So there's a bunch of special features. I mean, as many as it can probably like wrangle out of Lynch and his associates. Exactly. I mean, this
1: is, you know, people have been waiting for this Blu-ray release of The Elephant Man forever and here it is and it looks great. You know, we've already sold a ton. It's, they package it really, they package it in those cardboard boxes, not like the regular kind of cases they use. So they go all out on Lynch. We also have another
0: do. box set of Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project. This is volume three. And again, it's a whole bunch of hits that have never gotten proper transfers. Anywhere. Yeah,
1: I would say there's almost some of the biggest films that have appeared on any of the box sets in this series on this one. I mean, they've got um, P Pixote, Piote. I'm totally mangling that name. How do you pronounce I it? I don't
0: know. Okay. Well <laughs> you're asking me, I'm like, oh well. I know. Mark, I was like, let me uh was, direct you on the pronunciation yeah. of things.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you're from Sao Paulo, aren't you? I mean there's Soleil O, which
0: is a pretty famous one as well. Yes, yeah.
1: I've seen Soleil O, which is fantastic great film from med hondo i managed to see it at the Lightbox a few years back when they were playing it and it's a really really great film about um basically immigration and europe's immigration policies but done kind of in like a surrealist sort of way kind of brings to mind stuff later stuff like claire Denis' work things like that but um it's excellent, and I'm really happy this is available now on Blu-ray, and they've restored it and everything. So there are some yeah, there's just some great films from all over the world
0: on this. Yeah, set. there's like Cuban movies, there is some um, I think there's a Mexican film, uh, and there's also an Iranian movie. So whoo. Yeah, no, I love
1: these sets. Martin Scorsese doing the Lord. I mean, he's not here. doing it. He's going,
0: Yes, he's not it. actually it. he does it. an he's introduction just for every his film. Name on it. So he's seen them. That's good. Do you, do these sell? Do people just buy it? Yeah, these do really well.
1: And I think – yeah, and this one has been doing better, I think, mostly because of the quality of the film. It's mostly Pixote. Pixote. Pixote? I don't know. That's the one that people – because it's never been available before. It was a huge film at the time when it came out. I feel like it was nominated for Oscars maybe or at least like Golden Globe. Uh, It's Hector Babenco who made – kiss of the spider woman
0: oh yeah oh we made fun of him a little a few weeks ago in his new movie yeah right right we did yeah because he
1: had that willem dafoe movie that's out now my my hindu friend right that's Uh, right my hindu friend which looks hilarious um but no, this was his like first kind of like breakout film, really announced him on the world scene and people still love it. And for some reason, it never passed VHS. It never came out. So in we DVD also have Cain
0: River, an 1882 film being released by Oscilloscope. And this one is notable because it was believed to be a lost film and is making its home video debut for the first yeah, time. This ever. one is
1: really cool. I got I was lucky to see this a few months ago when they were playing it uh, like virtually as as like the virtual cinema initiatives. And uh, it is really cool. It's from a director named Horace Jenkins who sadly died like right after uh, – he, like he was trying to – he made it. He was trying to get it played. I think it played like a, a screening or two and then he just ended up dying and the film just kind of lapsed into obscurity. Um, he was a TV documentary director in the 70s. I think he won some daytime Emmys just for like TV documentary work. Um, but this was his first feature film and it's a really cool, it's basically just like a really low key romantic comedy almost. It's like a romantic dramedy about, um, two different, uh, two, African Americans who fall in love in Cane River, which is kind of, which is in the in Louisiana, and it's um, basically there are of different they're of different class backgrounds. So the guy is basically a wealthier, more elite member of society, and his family he descends from a family that actually from a woman who was black but owned slaves at that time and was basically kind of reviled by the rest of the African American population. So it created this weird class divide. Even to this day, or I guess to the day in the '80s when it was made, and he falls in love with somebody of a lower class background. So it's basically that kind of um, tension, but it's really done beautifully. I thought the acting was really great. It just has like a really easygoing vibe, and it's it's sad that he never, Horace Jenkins never got to like, you know, explore his career more because I would have loved to see what he would do later on. Because this is I a mean really solid. He debut. is an
0: African American director, right? Yeah. So probably nothing <laughs> like all the other. African-American directors because the whole industry would crush them and not allow them to make
1: anything else. Well, it sucks because I think there was some initial heat behind this movie because it was actually produced. They had some money behind it because I believe uh, a company, an African-American owned company that did funeral services, I believe, exclusively for African-Americans, which was kind of like a big... Uh, A big company stretching back for like a century or so, they contributed money to this. So they kind of funded this. And then when they did have its premiere screening in Louisiana, I believe – I believe I read Richard Pryor actually showed up and was a big champion of this film. But then it just never – there was no, I guess, interest from actual festivals or distributors. So it just like became one of those movies that was like made sort of – made and screened only kind of regionally. And then it never really went beyond that. But um, yeah, Oscilloscope alongside uh, a company named Indie Collect, which is doing a really great job discovering these kind of like lost indie films. They also uh, restored Nancy Kelly's A Thousand Pieces of Gold, that Western that we talked about several weeks ago. So they they were behind that. They're doing some great job kind of unearthing American independent films. We the also 80s have and black 90s *Gravel* that really from 1961.
0: Just didn't go and anywhere. And this is Kino dipping into that German catalog that they've been releasing um, over the last
1: few months. Oh yeah, this one looks fascinating though. I didn't get the chance to check this out, but they're comparing it to like *Wages of Fear* on the back, um, stuff like that. Basically, I think it takes place in you know post-war West Germany, and it's just a, like a really realistic kind of like what life was like
0: that does not sound like wages of fear at all i mean no i
1: know but then on the back they say it's like thrilling like wages of fear so i'm like ooh, okay the synopsis is
0: the story takes place in post-war germany following germany's loss in world war ii for years people struggled with shortages of everything housing food water and clothing just like wages of
1: fear i, know. I don't know those people at Kino. you know they just <laughs> they need to
0: sell those blu-rays <laughs> they got to sell those fan blu-rays. favorite black
1: gravel yeah. Uh, it looks great though.
0: Uh, I mean, Kino's also putting out Love Me Tonight, 1932's Ruben Mamoulian musical starring Maurice Chevalier. This I've seen. It's great. I love it. I know Mark won't. Well, he hates yeah, musicals. This is very popular. But, uh, though. This is one of the early musicals and it's very mobile. Like, it's famous for its opening song, the titular song, that like someone starts to sing it and then somebody walking by picks it up and then like everybody through the city oh, sings that's cool. a verse. Uh, it's filled with, like, miniatures and, like, crazy special effects and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's tons of fun. And is not the kind of stiff and uh, studio-bound style musical you would expect from something that was made in 1932? We also have Five Graves to Cairo? Yes. The Billy Wilder-directed film that tried to rip off Casablanca and that, uh, you know, nobody really likes. All right, really? really? I don't know.
1: This is selling, like, crazy. I guess just because Billy Wilder made it. I you know, know why. It's just you Billy Wilder. You know why it's selling yeah. like crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it doesn't have much of a, um, cachet in the sense of, like, if you look at reviews, people are like, nah, this is not good. (laughs) Uh, but you know what? Someone could uh, reply that I'm wrong and that it's actually a lost classic and better than Casablanca. How dare you, you know disrespect
1: what? Billy Wilder like this? <laughs> You're
0: right. You're right. You don't even need to write it. <laughs> we also have Variety, 1983 film directed by Betty Gordon. A repressed young woman develops a fascination for pornography and voyeurism while selling tickets to adult movies. And this is a film that is actually also part of the No Wave movement.
1: Yeah, a lot of No Wave stuff this week. I love it. Um, this movie is great, though. I really, really like this. Did you watch this one? No, I uh, okay. didn't get a chance
0: to watch it. I bought it, though. I did my my due All right, diligence. Well, I'll take the lead
1: on this then. Betty Gordon is also yeah another luminary from the no wave moment uh, movement, and um, she unfortunately didn't get again. You know, like a lot of female directors that time didn't really. Her career never really took off after this. This was her first feature film, and she had made like a bunch of shorts beforehand, and yeah it's kind of she kind of pitched it as like a feminist take on like a vertigo type thing not that it has the same story as vertigo it just you know has that kind of like vibe she's trying to she's trying to
0: like is it like weird more... and almost like a horror movie yeah so she it's about a guy. good because i'm gonna put it in my slot for my 31 shocked over movie because there's one maybe that maybe uh, says takes place in a horror it uh, takes place in a movie theater uh, okay i mean it's mark maybe, mark mark yeah it's not listed as horror anyway uh, it's like psychological
1: thriller. Yeah, it's maybe kind like of? a stretch to call it a horror, but I mean, it's got a weird vibe. Yeah, it's about a woman who starts. I need to working fill this. let mark. Theater. Don't, don't know, take this away from me. I know. I mean, yeah, she definitely starts to like. There's like a stalking element to it, you know, because she Sounds starts like a to become a voyeur. To <laughs> yeah, it's it's all about voyeurism, you know, and everything. Uh, it's got a lot of luminaries from the No Wave movement, like Will, like actors like Will Patton's in it. Uh, Steve Buscemi, I believe, is in this or maybe uh, – mm-hmm. or no, not him. Louis uh, Guzman Louis shows Guzman's up as well. In it. Yeah, yeah. It was written or co-written by um, – or no, so not co-written. It was shot by Tom DiCillo, who did um, films like Living in Oblivion later on and everything. So he was part of that. John Lurie did the music for it. So it had like a really great crew behind it. And yeah, this was her first feature film. And then she never made another feature until like the late 90s, unfortunately. She just kind of like – I don't know. This film – I mean it's a weird film. So I can see why it never really took off. But – I don't know. I mean, it definitely is one of my favorites from the No Wave movement. I actually saw it in film school. They showed it to us. So, I mean, at least it was getting, you know, some academic play, I guess. <laughs> but it's nice to see Kino actually putting it out on Blu-ray. They did put it out on DVD years ago, but now they've restored it and everything. It is really beautifully shot. So I would say check it out. Check it out. And check out Betty Gordon's newer films, too, because she's made recent feature films. Just, you know.
0: Are they good, though? Yeah, they're pretty good. They're
1: pretty good. She made a movie called Handsome Harry, like about a decade or so ago. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. That
0: sounds like that high in my voice work.
1: Handsome Harry is good. (laughs) But then she made another film recently called The Drowning with Julia Stiles, which is kind of like a... A vague thriller. And that one's good. <laughs>
0: that one's okay. Listen, we
1: still have copies on sale That's, at Base Video. Please buy interesting. them. interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah uh, <laughs> so Kino's cool, also though. putting out Crackers, Louis Maul's American film, which he kind of disowned because he hated it, uh, which is a wacky caper comedy that stars everyone's favorite people, Donald Sutherland, Jack Warden, Sean Penn, and Wallace Shawn. Great.
1: Isn't this a remake of Big Deal at... Uh, uh, Madonna uh, probably Street, yes
0: think. I'm not familiar with it I just know that Louis Malle. I think I a fan read that it. yeah so we also have Gotcha another film directed by Jeff Canoe the guy who did Revenge of the Nerds we talked about last
1: week I know and True Beverly Hills uh, it's a Jeff Canoe moment here I guess uh, do people like Gotcha I don't know and
0: that's all I have to say about Gotcha which I assumed is a sequel to <laughs> Zapped 2 I wish because uh, yeah. there's an exclamation park on this one as well we got to blow through these. I'm sure neither of us have seen any of these movies. We also have The Milligro Beanfield War, directed by Robert Redford. Ruben Blade stars in a film where a small town in American Southwest plans to build a major new resort development, while activist and newspaper lawyer editor Charlie Bloom realize that the eventual... Well, It's, it's about Hispanic farmers. This was... Yeah, that's what it's about, which is a great story. Robert Redford directing... Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this was a big deal in the '80s, I think. <laughs> uh,
0: speaking of uh, white guys telling stories that are not theirs, Havana, directed by Sidney Pollack. and starring Robert Redford. Redford, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kino thinks about these things. <laughs> they do. They do. They they do. do. Like people are going to buy both of them because they have yeah. similar subjects and they share actors they or directors. Share Robert
1: Redford. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, old people go crazy for Havana for some reasons.
0: So. <laughs> Why? It's just like a, a professional gambler visits Havana. Because, ga-
1: because it's Robert Redford and it takes place in Havana. We also and they have like Sunshine,
0: uh, which is also known as Redwind. <laughs> oh, no, it's being put out by Redwind. if Redwind? I
1: don't know. They are a new label that I'm not familiar with. It's an M.O.D. label, so I'm not sure. Uh, but this is a TV movie from uh joseph Sargent. yeah nobody wants this uh
0: it's it's directed by joseph Sargent, who did taking of pelham uh one yeah, two three and there we go. Jaws a lot the of revenge. connections
1: going on this episode um I a young know.
0: woman living in the woods with her husband a struggling musician and her daughter discovers she has terminal cancer she begins a tape record to record her journey of the time she has left
1: I don't know. Again, on the back cover, they're really like selling it up as being like, this was one of the most important television movies made in the 1970s. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay.
0: Okay. Sure. I mean, if you, speaking if you of, say so. I guess. Speaking of important movies, Spooky House, Spooky, <laughs> two thousand two film directed by William Sachs, the man behind the incredible Melting Man. Yep. Which and is, Galaxina. Uh, which is about a magician with a mysterious secret lives alone with his jaguar shadow, in the Spooky House, an old mansion rigged with magical tricks and hidden chambers. This sounds like something you would watch. And guess what? I did watch it. <laughs> I know you well. Uh um, I yeah. no what was the, the, the Mark yeah. watches the bad no, movie. The yeah? hee haw was
1: the bad title thing, right?
0: Oh no, no, no! <laughs> what is no. That bad title was uh, yeah. Okay, so the hee I think hee haw was mostly because you're uh, wh- like uh, you know, like in cartoons where it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh no, I made a mistake, and then like their face would turn into like a donkey. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like,
1: okay, so I watched an this. Ass? Yeah, I watched this one hee haw because I just love that there was a movie called Spooky House coming. No, out. no, no.
0: Not hee-haw. It's it's a hee-haw. Hee-haw is the donkey. <laughs> yeah. Because hee-haw. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about this? It's. The donkey sound if you don't like it but it's hee-ha if you well, do like what if, what it what if, so if i'm kind of in the sound.
1: middle so i'd be
0: like okay nope nope you well, only I'll pick go, one <laughs>
1: okay
0: Boo.
1: you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna say this one's not bad i mean for would you recommend it to i me? would recommend it to kids looking for a spooky <laughs> i'd recommend it to families looking for a like a hocus pocus type horror like Halloween movie that's not Hocus Pocus, but kind of has the same What about sort of the vibe. Monster Squad? <laughs> yeah, or like the, you know, like those classic ones, but you need something new, even though this was made in 2002, and apparently it was made in 1998. Uh, trying to rip off,
0: obviously, Monster House. <laughs> well, Monster House came out after this,
1: though, I believe, did it not? Yeah, yeah. Monster House was like a, a mid-2000s joys, joint, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know why this movie's coming out again. It was on DVD previously, but Unobstructed View has decided to... Go all out and put this one on Blu-ray. I guess they're banking on Ben Kingsley being a draw or something. (laughs) (laughs) Those Kingsley hats. I mean, this is kind of a cute movie that definitely works for kids. I mean, it definitely has that 90s kids movie vibe where there was surprisingly more diversity among the cast than you would expect from a movie like this. Um, It's all shot in BC. It definitely has that almost like are you afraid of the dark Goosebumps kind of vibe um, because of the location and yeah, Ben Kingsley's having a good time. It's weird he does have an actual jaguar that he keeps as a pet, which seems really dangerous to me. Like this jaguar is just <laughs> waltzing around, no like leash or anything around kids and everything. Like yeah, no, it's it's a little like it's really you know beautiful to look at, but I'm like wow, I wouldn't want to act around a jaguar. But Ben Kingsley seems like he's doing fine, so I don't know. It's not a movie that totally works, but you can see the passion behind it. You can see just the willingness to want to make something that's fun for kids at Halloween. That's not necessarily scary, although it has a few moments that I think would kind of like scare kids, but has like a it definitely has a charm to it that I, you know, wasn't expecting. I thought this was just going to be total shit, but it actually turned out to be surprisingly what better than What is the name of that be.
0: Halloween horror film? It's like After Midnight or something like that. Did you ever see that one? I think Anchor Bay put it out a long time ago. I think it was a TV movie as well. No, uh, it stars the dad from that 70s show and the villain from uh, uh, RoboCop. He plays a cop in
1: Smith, I like that. I like that.
0: Uh, I I say star. I think he shows up once or twice. (laughs) But that's the only recognizable face. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, the other recognizable face in this movie is Mercedes Ruel, who plays like a – con woman who is definitely acting in like a totally different movie she is like she was in the fisher king and a bunch of other things she was kind of big in the uh, 80s I was say, 90s. she one of the
0: housewives Mark. <laughs> not yet <laughs> we also have thomas and the magic railroad i guess the theatrical film starring yeah. Alec Baldwin.
1: yeah show factory is putting this one out um because they're big thomas the tank engine fans i guess uh, i mean i like thomas the tank all engine i know about thomas kid.
0: the tank engine i don't think i ever watched it when i, did, I was a yeah. kid did You was
1: a kid i mean my memory of it is super vague i never saw this movie because i was way too old at that point but
0: have you seen those horrifying articles about like the episode where they brick uh one of the tank engines who's been bad behind like a wall oh yeah and they, like yeah. leave him
1: there of course yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> terrifying <laughs>
0: It's like um, the cask of the armadillo, the Ed Allan Poe story, except he can't die.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, Thomas. Well, you know, all you Thomas the Tank Engine fans out there, you know, hey, it's Ringo Star or movie. nothing. Yeah, Peter Fonda's in this movie too. Oh so. man! Oh, the sounds of the seventies. I know, right? <laughs> Kids love Peter Fonda.
0: <laughs> Ernest Borgnine from here to eternity. <laughs> All right, so new-wise, we got Rogue. Da-da. You're not allowed to call your film Rogue. There's a million films called Rogue. This one stars Megan Fox, was directed by M.J. Bassett, and it's this week's Blind buy. Blind Bye.
1: <laughs> and we have to say, this was kind of a Blind By suggestion here from one of our listeners. No? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> Mark's trying to talk wow. over me. Party, you, you really? So you, re- I take it you really hated this movie. Oh,
0: I did not like this
1: movie.
0: I mean, there's some CGI lions in it that it's fun, but it's a lie. It's really like an episode of that bad show Strike Back. So it's like military action scenes for most of the movie. It is, and you
1: know what? I kind of. It sucks because it was kind of cool at first. You know, say what you will about Megan Fox, but I never really had a problem with Megan Fox. I
0: want an action movie that stars Megan Fox. That's cool.
1: You know, that's the thing. People hate on Megan Fox, but I've always thought she was fine. And in this, at first, I'm like, you know what? This is cool. Having her be like the leader of this military team. They're all like calling her boss and everything. She's kicking ass. She's going to shoot some like military, big military guns. I'm into it. But They really don't give her – she just still acts like the stupidest character ever because they don't give her the lines to – I mean they just don't give her really anything to work with and there are multiple moments in this. Like they show up at a lion farm, right? Like where there's clearly lions on the loose. There's like dead bodies and they're all spread out. She doesn't tell anybody this over like the radio at any point until – you know. (laughs) they're seeing all these dead bodies and people are radioing in she's just like oh you know I don't know what's going on around here like you're at a lion farm there's like lions roaming around it also
0: has like some like nasty xenophobic stuff as well that you get in like these military movies which is like definitely I think um, Strike Back who the director MJ MJ Bassett? she has she has directed for Strike Back the TV shows so I think that's like a uh, continuous extension. I have friends that worked on her sets, and they said she was a nightmare—just screaming really? at them, like special uh, effects people that worked on *Silent Hill*, *Revelations*, and oof, *Solomon Kane*. Terrible movie. And um, like one of them was like, "It was the worst experience of my life." Like, like he's like, "I still." Like, I just hate it. So, with that baggage, Yikes. watching this okay. movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any of that. I, I did hate Silent Hill Revelation, but... I mean,
0: I mean, MJ, but, like, she keeps making movies, and that's cool, but no one likes them. But I guess they're selling? She did an Inside Man sequel. I know. I saw she was behind that, and I
1: did not realize. I mean... It's kind of hypocritical with this one too because she has – like you sent me after you finished watching it. At the end of the movie, she has this like end screen coda about how bad the lion farming industry is in Africa and how it's terrible and it should stop. And like this whole movie apparently is like a comment on lion farming. But like as you said, there's a lot of xenophobic stuff in this that like – because she has that plot line. But then there's a competing plot line where this military team is on the run from – vague muslim extremists who have these white girls locked up in cages for sex trafficking there's this whole thing and like thing.
0: the only like Africa uh south african guy on the team is like worked and was bad as well and now has yeah. to like yeah and he's
1: also like spiritual he's like into like the only person of color on the team is like a spiritual man into in like tune with the moon i think there's an asian everything. guy as and well oh you're right you're right there is an asian guy who dies like first though too so uh i just feel like for somebody she's trying to be super like progressive about her like message about line farming when there's like so much regressive like 80s b movie action tropes and it's in really funny
0: that that title card at the end is signed by the director it's like who knows who this yeah, is yeah i know. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Really? Like yeah, I know. Like it's not like she's some like household name or anything. Uh right? but we like, didn't talk
0: about the best part of this movie. The awful special effects.
1: Oh god, the CGI on these lions are so is so
0: bad. I asked this on Twitter it's today. Terrible. Like the people who make the movie they must know it's gonna look like shit, right? They know it's bad, right? Then why Especially... do it?
1: Wouldn't you figure out a different way to go about it? Like right like especially with hd tv like i mean i get this i get this didn't really play theatrically but like people are watching this on vod you know it's like hd screens like they're gonna tell this cgi is bad and i and it doesn't it's not done in like some ironic way where it's like funny like it's just like straight face like here are our lions like wouldn't you hide
0: them or just have like claws coming out or something like that because like the first shot well, of the, the line is it, it's a lot of
1: it's in the dark right
0: yeah <laughs> but like the lions are out in the daylight, like walking around, like biting people's necks. No, I, I don't know. It's You'd... not good. I was hoping he'd be like. It's not good. <laughs> uh, like Megan Fox, like chased through the desert by a lion. That's what the, the poster makes it look like. And that's not what I it know.
1: is. I was hoping it would be more fun like that than it was. But it, yeah, ultimately just becomes sort of like a siege film after a certain point, which can already get kind of boring. Yeah, but not a good yeah. one. The
0: action is so boring. That kind of tactical action where people are just shooting at each other for like 30 minutes, just like in one position. <sighs> I mean, some of the I would say maybe like the chase action sequence at the beginning
1: is like semi like is OK. Like it's not bad. You know, for VOD stuff.
0: It's just boring. It's like, I don't know who they're shooting. There's no geography. It's all CGI squibs as well, which is like, ugh. Well, it's kind of the vibe with a lot of these VOD action
1: movies. They just don't have any sort of, like, atmosphere to them, any sort of, like, passion behind them. They just, like... Are just so blunt and like efficient, I guess, in their eyes that there's no, just- they are like, not
0: efficient. <laughs> no, I
1: guess not. But like it feels like there's this efficiency, like, just like, let's bang this out. And I don't know. There's like no pleasure. They're making to be a lot had. of
0: movies in South Africa these days. Yeah, like, right. Like they, they're shooting they a lot are. of the sci-fi they films. Are, there. Yeah.
1: I just like the the most the thing I took away from it most is just the hypo- the hypocrisy of the messaging behind it. Like you want to make a movie about lion farming and the, the evils of lion farming, but then you're gonna put in some like like, regressive B-movie, like, sex-trafficking Muslim extremist plot and make no comment on that, like, get out so of here. So we also
0: have The Silencing, which is the continuing saga of the bad choices Nikolaj Coster-Waldo keeps making. <laughs> yeah, he's really hitting the VOD train hard these
1: days. I don't know, this is, like, this is from a Euro, like, a, a French director, I think, or Yeah, something. he directed
0: The Ardennes, which I saw at a TIFF. Was that so. any good? I never saw that eh, one. it's okay. Yeah. It was fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, this is supposedly not very good. That's what everybody's saying. Uh, a reformed hunter becomes involved in a deadly game of cat and mouse when he and the local sheriff set out to track a vicious killer who may have kidnapped his daughter years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. Moving on to stuff we really like, like The Big Ugly, a new film from the director of The uh, Condemned. And this one stars. Uh, co-star of The Condemned, yeah, Vinny Jones. Ron
1: Perlman, who makes 100 movies a year at this oh, point. Oh, I wonder if this um, was produced
0: by his company, because he acts in a lot of the films oh, that maybe. he makes, like, um, you know, uh, that uh, anti-furry movie that he made. Oh, uh, Pottersville. That was a Ron <laughs> right? Perlman production. Oh, God, I didn't know that. So okay. this is uh, Vinnie Jones is an enforcer. He goes to London and... Yeah. I, it looks like another one
1: of those, like, neo-noir type, like, southern neo-noir type movies that are all the rage now. I don't know.
0: I love that, like, Vinny Jones is popular enough that he gets to, like, anchor all of these movies. Yeah. That makes me laugh.
1: Oh, yeah. His name is just, like, you'd think he's, like, the biggest action star in the world at this point, the way his name splashed What over did this. I
0: watch recently that he was, like, the main villain and oh, it was fun too, it was like an action film, but like anytime he fought, it just cut to like a Vinnie Jones stuntman fighting, which is the way you should do it, to be 100% honest. Cause I mean, Vinnie Jones is probably like in his late fifties at this point. So yeah, he's gotta be getting up there. Mm-hmm. right? So we also have the legend of Tomaris, which is interesting because at first I went, Oh no, Russian. But then it's actually yeah. from Kazakhstan, which you it know is, yeah. And it's, it's the story better. of the life of a great queen, the legendary Tomaris, who was dis- uh, destined to become a skillful warrior and survive the loss of close people and unite the Scythia Saka tribes under her authority. Yeah, so this is
1: a big epic from Kazakhstan. Uh, who seem to you know don't make that don't have that big of a film industry but do tend to make a big epic historical film
0: every once in a while yeah just like canada it's like let's put all our money in an epic that's what people want it's like no don't do it
1: i remember seeing a kazakh film at tiff maybe five or six years ago I believe it was called The Stranger. It was another like generic title, like Stranger or something like that. But it was like their big uh, entry for the Oscars that year that did not obviously get nominated. But it was another like big, epic, like decade spanning historical story. And it was not very good. It was very very much trying to be like a big Hollywood production. But
0: well, I like that Welgo is getting into, I guess, the Kazakhstan game. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, there is some Russian dialogue in this, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. so technically it's a Russian exactly, production. Shh, right? Don't tell <laughs> yeah. anyone. Uh, we also have Stargirl, season one. I've seen a few episodes of this. It's fun. It's slick. It's part of that DC universe. Um, you get to see your favorite, uh, Wilson. Uh, okay. we Luke Wilson stars in it as a guy who builds a big mech suit. I don't think we ever yeah.
1: talked about the fact that Luke Wilson was in uh, that Adam E. Goyan movie we watched, Guest of Honor. Did
0: we? <laughs> oh, yeah, he didn't have a know. very big role. <laughs> I was talking with somebody about Adam McGowan recently, and I was like, go listen to that episode. We kind of cover his new uh, body of work in detail. Hopefully, Adam, if you're listening uh, right now, we like your early movies, your early funny ones.
1: <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I would love, like, a Stardust Memories with either Bruce McDonald or Adam McGowan or even David Cronenberg, and it's all about them trying to get funding. I bet you Cronenberg would be into that, like, starring yeah, in a yeah. movie like that. That'd be fun. Yeah, And it's... And you got to make like a big prestige film instead of... Isn't there – that's the plot of uh, that big Adam Agorian film where, like, somebody's making, like, a historical epic about uh, a genocide, right?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Which I like. But it's not a comedy, which my version would definitely be about the Canadian film industry. Ah, uh, David Cronenberg, he'd be so good in that, too. Like, his deadpan through all of it playing himself, of yeah, course. Yeah,
1: no, he is super funny. He
0: needs to I act looked at more. his credits recently. He acted in, like, 58 movies. So it's not like – He's not being utilized very much. Oh, yeah. And he was great in Disappearance at Clifton Hill, which was well, Yeah, recent, he's like, have was... you listened to my podcast? <laughs>
1: yeah, he was really fun in that. I, I quite seen enjoyed movie. it in that. It's really good. I was really pleasantly surprised. Hopefully it comes out to, I think it's streaming now, but it hasn't come out on Discord. So disc
0: or I forgot what we were talking about, uh, other than my ultimate uh, version of the movie. All oh, right, The Wilsons. <laughs> That's right. And we also have Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. People love Penny Dreadful. I'm surprised you didn't see it as a big Josh Hartnett fan.
1: I know, I know. I never went down that road, although I do it's love Hartnett. It's television. It's not reality uh, TV. You, know, you ain't exactly, watching it. Exactly, yeah. Put Mr. Hartnett in a reality TV show and I'll do it. Oh, what would it
0: be called? It's like Hard Hartnett and it's about him and his family. <laughs> yeah.
1: Heart, heart to Hartnett. <laughs> <laughs> I've already I've already put it out to his agents. So I haven't heard anything back.
0: Um, and yeah, people don't like the season very much. But what do I know? I've never watched a series. Nah, I don't know. Yeah. We also have Helmet Newton, the Bad and the Beautiful. All right, this is when I sit back and you take all these docs, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'll run down the
1: docs. How about that? Uh, Helmet Newton, uh, the Bad and the Beautiful, is a much requested doc here. People have been waiting for this one for a while. Uh, Helmet Newton was, of course, a very famous. Uh, fashion photographer fashion and art photographer so this combines interviews with a lot of like highfalutin europeans like charlotte rampling isabella rossellini catherine Deneuve. you know celebrities that worked with him so if you're into that uh this is kind of the definitive helmet newton doc next up we've got the infiltrators which is actually a pretty cool movie put out by oscilloscope it's kind of like a documentary fiction hybrid uh played at hot Docs last year which is where i saw it and um it concerns a group of Dreamers in the states, which are who are um, children who are technically illegal immigrants because their parents um, brought them over here, but they, you know, are trying to gain legal status, and so this concerns a group of Dreamers who get themselves arrested to be put into the Broward Corrections Institute, which is basically a notorious uh, illegal immigration detention center in Florida. So they get themselves put in there to try and get – um, prisoners out from the inside using legal means and everything. It's a really fascinating story and this actually happens, but because they obviously can't film inside the detention center, all this they still have all that stuff dramatized. So they uh, they have actors playing who they really are in these like scenes played out in a detention center, which is supposed to be that. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Really important story. The kids in it are, are amazing. And, um, yeah, it's just really important stuff, especially now with how horrible the U.S. immigration situation is. Um, so yeah, definitely I would recommend that one. Uh, next up. Another oscilloscope dock when lambs become lions. I don't know much about this one. In the Kenyan ha-
0: bush, a crackdown on ivory poaching forces a silver tongued second generation poacher to seek out an unlikely ally in this fly on the wall look at both sides of the conservation divide.
1: Right. That's what it is. I heard amazing things about this out of festivals. Haven't had a chance to see it yet. But I just love everything Oscilloscope puts out, honestly. They're one of those companies that just like. It's like the seal of approval from them.
0: When is 20th Century coming out from then? I want I want their big special edition. I know, I know.
1: Well, we'll be getting 20th Century here from a Canadian company mm-hmm. soon. They don't, so do out, they, they don't do special features. They don't do special features. If you just want to see the movie, which is great, you <laughs> know, check streaming. back here. I know. Shh. <laughs> We don't talk about streaming on this podcast, all right? (laughs) We
0: also have Scheme Birds. What's this, Mark? This one
1: is about, uh, this is a documentary about lower class Scottish neighborhoods, particularly a young girl who has gotten pregnant, has to grow up fast, really kind of like bleak, you know, kitchen sink British stuff or Scottish stuff, I guess. Uh, again, supposed to be really lauded at film festivals and everything. It's coming out on disc.
0: We also have For They Know, Not What They Know. When the Supreme Court legalized marriage equality, the backlash by the religious right was swift, severe, and successful. Uh, This documentary looks at four faith-based families with LGBTQ children caught in the crosshairs of sexuality, identity, and scripture. Yeah,
1: so this one is actually kind of a sequel to uh, For the Bible Tells Me So, which was done about... 15 years ago so or now which was about the same thing about the intersection between religion and homosexuality in the US that was a huge hit at the time so the director has followed it up
0: with this one and we also have uh, moving away from I'm going to assume documentaries In My Room a 2018 film which is not the new short film that Maddie Diop recently released which has the same title this one is Armin in his 40s is a freelancer with lots of time and little money he's not really happy but can't picture living a different life one morning the world looks the same as always but mankind has disappeared I
1: feel like they've done this plot a few times before. A million I've seen times. This movie that was before. the plot
0: of that Will Forte show, The Last exactly. Man on Earth. It was
1: also that Canadian movie, Nothing, from like a couple you know, decades ago. Oh, yeah, of... but Nothing is very is funny. Been, yeah, I really like Nothing. Uh, but this looks good, too. It's got a lot of great reviews. I'm in, intrigued uh, to check it we out. We
0: also have The Bay of Silence being released by Vertical. Will believes his wife, Rosalind, is innocent of their son's suspected murder, only to discover the devastating truth behind the past links her to another unsolved crime.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like generic Euro thriller vibes off of this one. It's it's stars. Yeah, it's real bottom yeah. of the list of baseball stars, video movies. Uh, Cle- Cleese Bang, the lead from The Square, and Brian Cox, who always sh- tends to show up in movies like this. So
0: His face is like I know, right in yeah. the middle <laughs> of the poster. It's like, Brian Cox and is like... here. It looked like Ron Livingston starred in it, but then I looked at the credits and it's like, no, it's just a yeah. guy that looks like it. <laughs>
1: I love Rob Livingston, though. (laughs) We also
0: of course you do. We also have the girl with a bracelet. Elise is accused of murdering her best friend. As the trial starts, her parents stand right by her side. But once her secret life is revealed in court, the truth becomes indistinguishable. What? Indistinguishable? (laughs) that's a yeah, bad we sentence. Got another,
1: uh, another Euro thriller here. Moving um, on, we moving got on. Yeah, Black Magic for
0: White Boys uh, at a small New York theater. An aging magician comes up with a devilish plan to save his piece of old New York by involving some real black magic. Harsh realities and fantastic illusions come together in a bizarre comic adventure about gentrification, race, and bodily autonomy in New York. It's over 50 minutes of new footage. Uh, I guess this was a rework project she presented as 2017 as a four-episode series at Tribeca, and it turned into a gnarly and charmingly weird dark comedy. Are you a fan of Arner Turkel? Yeah, I am. I was going to ask too, you even the same though that, thing. Oh man, he's, funny. he's a jerk yeah. when he does interviews. Yeah, I mean his stuff
1: is pretty borderline for sure. Um, oh, I mean, I, I think probably... Catfight
0: is a really funny Shaggy Dog movie. Oh, yeah. I I feel like
1: Catfight's probably what he's most known for, only because it has Sandra O and Anne Hesh. It's got star power in it, I guess, to some degree. Catfight is hilarious, though. I highly recommend that movie. Um, I've also seen a few of his other earlier films, uh, especially Applesauce, which I really like, um, which he did about five years ago. And it's just about – and he stars in it. He often stars in his own movies. um, But, yeah, he stars in that one, and it's about two married couples who – basically become, like, more and more frustrated with each other because things start to come out about, like, offside things they've said in the past or whatever. Um, it's re- It's one of those movies that really, like, skirts a fine line between,
0: like, is this offensive or yeah. is this, I like mean, that's progress- all of his movies. That's
1: all of his stuff. Wait, he did I, one I where think... he
0: plays, like, a slacker vampire, right? And that yeah, one is supposed some, to be very Summer funny. Summer of
1: Blood. Yeah, that one's good, too, with Alex Karpovsky from Girls. Uh, but... I really like his stuff. I tend to think he's more progressive than offensive, but he definitely walks a fine line. So I can see people taking offense to his films as well. I haven't seen this new one, although I definitely want to. uh, But yeah, for fans of him i would say yeah check it i mean his stuff's just got a really specific kind of like dark biting comedy vibe that i really like so i'm all for it
0: we also have the honeymoon phase struggling young lovers tom and eve must endure a 30-day scientific experiment room board fifty thousand dollars, and a month alone together what could possibly go wrong i hope it's everything werewolves, but i will <laughs> yeah. never know because i won't watch this movie
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I heard some buzz about this one, but I don't know. It feels like a you know fraught relationship turned horror movie type thing. I, I don't know. It could be fun. Could be OK. It's hard to say with stuff coming out from Dark Sky. I feel like it's you know, they, they have a few gems here or there and then they've also got a lot of crap that they put out. <laughs>
0: And they've also got a lot of crap. A lot of shit. So we (laughs) finally have Welcome to Sudden Death, the one that everybody's been asking for. It's the unwanted remake to uh, the Jean-Claude Van Damme classic Sudden Death, directed by Peter Himes. Is that what they're calling this, a remake? (laughs) No, no one's calling it that. I think it's actually billed as
1: like a sequel. I think so, right? Even though it has nothing to do with the first one, except for just the vague concept of it. So for
0: people that don't know... um, Universal, I, they have some weird, like, mandate where they release sequels to films that nobody wants sequels to, like Backdraft 2, uh, Bulletproof 2, a sequel to the Adam Sandler-Damon Waynes comedy. Yep.
1: Uh, well, Inside Man 2, which we just Man talked 2, about. 2, that's right. Um, they did... Uh, Undercover Brother 2 with Michael J. White. That's (laughs)
0: only briefly in Undercover Brother 2. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, only briefly.
1: Um, so I guess this is the latest one of those. They thought sudden death needed a sequel now. I mean, I know both of us are huge sudden death fans, uh, Love it. It's probably my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, potentially. That or Time Cop. I really like both of those. Uh, I really lot.
0: love Sudden Death, though. Yeah, Sudden Death is amazing. If you haven't so seen that. So, essentially, Welcome to Sudden Death stars Michael J. White, who I love. And he gets to be really fun in this. But imagine Sudden Death and you take away any of like the fun, weird stuff or any of the big spectacle. Like He, he doesn't even fight a mascot in Welcome to Sudden Death. So it's like what everybody remembers about Sudden Death. Yeah.
1: Or, the, or when he jumped in to play goal at one point and in no point. Oh, so good. And he stops the. Yeah, exactly. And at no point does Michael J. White get in on the action on this basketball game that's happening. So really, so it's, it's already a lesser
0: version of sudden death. And it looks like a Disney family movie, even though there's weird moments of like violence. So I assume this is rated like R. <laughs> it is because the kills are actually pretty decent in
1: it from time to time, you know.
0: And I mean, you got uh, Michael Eklund as the villain. The hell yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's like the Canadian version. He almost gives me gives
1: me like Evil or Ethan Hawke vibes, but like That's a Canadian. That's exactly what it is. When <laughs> you
0: can't get Ethan Hawke, you get Michael Eglund. <laughs> um so yeah, he's
1: he's in it as the bad basically as the Powers Booth character from the first one. It's basically the same movie again.
0: I mean, they, there's beats stolen from the first movie, which you should never do cuz you're like I'd rather be watching that movie. I know.
1: For me, I mean, I think – I know you enjoyed this a little more than I did. For me, the whole thing just kind of came off as a little sad to me because – just with the lack of spectacle and budget of Sudden Death, which I really – I was a big hockey fan too at the time. So seeing like a real hockey game, like a real stadium, like the real energy, like it was a huge production was incredible to <laughs> me. Did you expect this
0: and Welcome to Sudden no, Death? No, I,
1: I didn't expect this. But geez, like watching the basketball game that takes place, which I don't even know who the, what these basketball teams are. They're clearly not NBA teams. It's not like – probably some minor league thing but i don't know you watch these games and like the stands are so empty like they couldn't even afford to like they couldn't even afford to fill like the bottom row of seats there are so many empty seats at this game
0: (laughs) so what i'll say is i thought the fight scenes were really fun there were enough of them, so it's like, I've watched enough bad action movies that have shitty fight scenes, even ones that have Michael J. White. I'm looking at you, Falcon Rising and Android Cop. That like that surprised me when I was watching this, because I was ready to turn it off after like 10 minutes. Uh, the it, It's very goofy, like they act like they're in a Family Channel movie. Like, Michael J. White is like, come on, kids, don't do that. Like, that made me laugh. How ugly looking it is also made me laugh. And, yeah, I you know, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody, but I wasn't offended by it. Which I think that was your problem with it, is you wanted to be offended by it. Like, it'd be so bad. Yeah. That, you know. I think it was, yeah, I think it was
1: the attempts at intentional humor that really turned me off, too. Like, his, his sidekick guy. Don't
0: you find <laughs> his, uh, I guess you know, uh, probably a little bit challenged uh, sidekick Gary Owen, who I did research into him because he looks like a guy you would know, but he's not. I haven't seen him in any movies, but he is supposedly like the white guy who goes to black comedian showcases. (laughs) So he's in like a lot of Martin Lawrence specials. Yeah,
1: he was very unfunny in this movie. And they they just keep throwing him out there with jokes and everything. And you're right. It seems like his character is supposed to be, challenged a little bit, and they're playing it for laughs, which is definitely something out of, you know, the time period that the original Sudden Death would have uh, come out. You know, they were doing stuff like that. Um, and
0: I enjoyed very much that the whole movie takes place during the day at some shitty arena that they shot probably in, like, Vancouver. Or well, what that's the heck. thing.
1: Yeah, like, what it, there's just no... The problem for me was just there's no sense of spectacle, and it's just so embarrassing. Uh, like, sudden death is all about the spectacles for me, and then you get to this one, and it's like, even, you know, the whole plot to, like, blow up the arena or whatever at the end of the game doesn't even hold that much water, because there's not even that many people there. <laughs> there's, like, barely anybody there. Yeah, uh,
0: Mark can only measure value if exactly. it goes into thousands right, of lives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds doesn't bother him. Yeah, whatever, you know, <laughs> it doesn't like- matter. <laughs> You're like, hundreds of people die
1: every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Minor league game, just whatever.
0: Um, yeah, if it was a major leagues, oh, I'd be worried then. I mean, these movies have to be taxed write-offs. They must be. I can't imagine any other reason you would make
1: it. Yeah, no, you're right. It must be some mandate at Universal. They probably make, I mean, these are cl- clearly made for like the VOD market. I don't even think they care about the yeah, DVD Yeah, they look sales. at the books
0: and they go, what do we have that is a sure bet because the previous film made money? Then we will make a sequel with that title. Although you have
1: to wonder how many people would even who aren't as film literate would even really connect this with sudden death. Like sudden death was huge at the time. But nowadays, like you get a new movie out called Welcome to Sudden Death. You might not automatically assume that's like us connected to sudden death. Right. So are they even banking on that connection or are they just trying to put out a new action movie with the same kind of premise You've got Michael J. White, so there's a bit of like familiarity there, and I don't I, know. You know what? I watch think it. it
0: literally boils down to: we need to make a movie. What was popular? What can we piggyback off of it? It doesn't even make any sense. Backdraft two?
1: Yeah, Backdraft two was strange. <laughs> but
0: even Bulletproof two? Bulletproof? That's that wild. Was the weirdest.
1: We didn't even bring Bulletproof two into the store because we're like, nobody, like, we don't. Nobody even like rents Bulletproof. From I don't us even anymore. think Bulletproof
0: <laughs> was a hit. Maybe it's a hit on VOD. Like they're looking at like discs. Yeah, maybe. I mean they're looking at some number. Or you know what? It's Hollywood, right? So it's probably an executive going, I remember Bulletproof. Let's make a Bulletproof (laughs) 2. I thought Bulletproof was hilarious
1: 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what, though? I will say that Welcome to Sudden Death is mercifully short. I think it runs like 70 minutes minutes before credits. (laughs) The credits are so long and they have like a mid-credit sequence. But like, if you just turn it off at the credits, it's like a 70-minute experience.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, So that's it for us at the Bay Street Video Podcast. So so I guess until next week, where we got some big release. Actually, no, two weeks from now we got some big releases. <laughs> I forget we're, scat- we're scattered back. We're, we're scattered back. But
1: the next few episodes, we're gonna have some big stuff coming out pretty soon. Because so it's October. It's October here. So even though things are kind of actually scary in the city, you know, with every day, uh, we're still gonna be slinging horror stuff here. At the Remember stores, in so Canada,
0: you can only hang out with ten people inside, and they have to be your family. Oh wait, no, no in the same not sentence. Really. It could be yeah. other people what but the
1: hell you, but you can go to a bar or restaurant with 75 people and have six people at a table and everything's good makes so, sense I
0: mean, to me oh, Makes God. sense to me
1: uh we're still capping people at a certain number here at the store we're still doing things safely so yeah it, but if visit you,
0: bay street video podcast
1: yeah you know uh, but also if you don't feel safe enough to come down you know give us a call we're we're open to some shipping possibilities we're still like potentially gonna have some curbside possibilities if things get really bad again so just you know yeah
0: if people need that copy of Kung Fu Zombie which is not available at uh, goldninjavideo.com anymore uh, check it I think Flush Freaks is out of print as well but I know base. Street yeah we
1: still got copies yeah, here so give uh, a Street a call copies.
0: so until next week my name is John Clue, and I'm Mark Hanson keep on buying keep on renting uh, Sundance. Yeah, Sundance. these movies the and sundown. many more are available uh, at your uh, local video <laughs> store <laughs> That's the sound of hockey.